You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Supreme Court is on a roll. They protected the Second Amendment. They told the states to figure out abortion. And guess what? They told a football coach in the state of Washington he could pray on the field and there was nothing the school system can do about it. Man, this Supreme Court thing, I kind of like it. Maybe we should start voting for Supreme Court justices instead of presidents. I'm going to explain all that uh, today on today's edition of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Welcome back to the show. Happy Tuesday. I got a special treat for you. Jill Savage. She's back in studio with me, brighten up the show. You guys know how I get this little dour, sour look on my face? That's what Jill's here for, to offset that. Jill always has a huge smile on her face. She's going to be with me here all day today. As we talk to Joe Kennedy, the high school football coach in the state of Washington that took his case all the way to the Supreme Court, and Clarence Thomas and those guys at the Supreme Court defended his right to pray on the field. Uh, later in the show, uh, we're gonna bring on Carrie Lake, who's running for governor uh, in the state of Arizona. She had a little spicy interview with uh, Brett Baer on Fox News yesterday. We'll get to the bottom of all of that with Carrie, and we'll talk about, Carrie, we, we ain't scared over here. We'll talk about 2,000 mules and D Dinesh D'Souza. We'll talk about it all. Fabulous show planned for you, but we're gonna start in the state of Washington and uh, bring on uh, JFK's dad. Or I think, is this JFK's dad? Did we raise JFK's dad from the dead? Joe Kennedy. Are you related or were you named after the Kennedys? Let's start with a real softball before we get into, <laughs> you know, your powerful prayer. Are you related to the Kennedys at all? My adoptive uh, parents, yes. Uh, they, they named me after the dad, Joseph. Oh, they did. The bootleggers boy, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of, I'm right along with them, boy. Big time sinner over here. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Joe, and I believe your lawyer, Jeremy Dice. Uh, Jeremy, did you argue the case before the Supreme Court defending Joe? I was just on his legal team. We had uh, Paul Clement, who was the former Solicitor General under George W. Bush, and has argued, I think, more cases than anybody alive before the Supreme Court right now. He argued the case to victory. All right, so, Joe. Fill us in on some background. I understand the story to some degree. For several years, you're, a, you're the junior varsity head coach. You're an assistant coach on the varsity team, I believe, at Bremerton High School in the state of Washington. And you took 30, 60 seconds post-game to kneel on the field, say a little private prayer. Eventually, students, some of the athletes joined in. And then did at some point an opposing coach objected 
to your little private prayer and that's what kind of started the whole controversy? Yeah, it, it wasn't even that. It was actually uh, one of the administrators from one of the other school districts that saw what we were doing um, out there on the field. And they called up the principal of our high school at Bremerton and said, hey, I just wanted to tell you what your football program is doing is really awesome. And of course, whenever you get a compliment like that, you want to start investigating. And that's where it all went sideways. We were trying to work it out. We didn't get to work it out. These kind of lawyer guys get involved and everything just went south. And for the past seven years, just been fighting tooth and nail, trying to get back onto that field. And so this really started because someone called to praise what you were doing. And this like no good deed goes unpunished, I guess. I, yeah, I think they're, they're proving that point. <laughs> And so in 2015, they put you on a leave of absence and basically you haven't coached since then? Right, so they gave me a, a three letters of direction. The first time they get, said, hey, just, uh, um, you can pray even while you're on duty as long as it doesn't interfere with your, your job duties, which that was never a problem. But then they said, oh, well, you're, you're praying with the kids. If you stop doing that, we'll be okay. So I stopped praying with uh, my team after the game, never prayed with them again. And then they were like, oh, but we could still see you out there doing it. And that's where things, they, they said, you either gotta choose, you stop praying or you're not gonna be in our football program. And that's what it led to, which led us down this road. Jeremy, walk me through what legal standings were they arguing were being violated and why this was inappropriate. Yeah, the school district trotted out what a lot of school districts have trotted out over the years, the Establishment Clause. And when the Establishment Clause comes out, they say that Coach Kennedy, because he is a coach, he's identified as a public school employee, he is establishing a religion. And more than just establishing a religion on behalf of the state of Washington, he was forcing uh, kids, coercing them to pray with him. Uh, and, and even further than that, they said, uh, you know, just because he's praying by himself, students can actually still see him engaged in that demonstrative religious activity, as they termed it. And because they can see him engaged in religious activity, that private act of religious worship, uh, they decided that that actually could be coercion, what we might call coercion by sight. And so they said that they had to, under the Constitution, violate his free speech and free exercise rights under the First Amendment and suspend and later on fire him for those things. Now, Justice Gorsuch had a quite different perspective on that, and I'm sure we'll get into that in a minute. No, let's do it right now. Let's <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> what, what, did just, what was the ruling? Why was it decided in your favor? So Justice Gorsuch said that uh, the Establishment Clause has never been intended to be treated that way, to, to be used as a way to, as he said, ferret out and suppress free exercise and free speech rights to punish people for engaging their, their uh, First Amendment freedoms on school campuses. Instead, he says that our, our republic is better served when we have an inclusive and diverse society, and that includes when people of faith are allowed to be people of faith. And so uh, people like Joe Kennedy are not required to shed their constitutional rights when they walk through the schoolhouse gates. Instead, they're allowed to bring with them those very principles, those very freedoms that they had on the outside of those schoolhouse gates. So Coach Kennedy cannot be fired for simply being seen by someone engaged in a, 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 a religious, a private religious act like he was doing at the 50 yard line. The same would be true, by the way, just to extend the thought, 
for a teacher that's saying grace over her lunch in the cafeteria, or maybe they're wearing a crucifix around their neck or a hijab or a yarmulke, those are all private acts of religious uh, uh, demonstration on campus that are perfectly acceptable under the Constitution. So the bottom line here is that the school district was completely wrong. They trounced upon Coach Kennedy's First Amendment freedoms, not once, but twice, with free speech and free exercise. They violated his civil rights and acted in, in uh, and engaged in religious discrimination against him. Coach Kennedy, on the other hand, did everything right under the Constitution, was perfectly fine. And so now we just wait for the, the school to call and find out when he's got to get back for two-a-days this summer. Joe, you're a former Marine before you were a football coach and going out there and defending the Constitution, protecting this country. I want to know what it was like for you in losing five different cases on the way up to the Supreme Court. We mentioned over seven years, what that was like for you in your life, just trying to go through and reconcile. You don't have a right to practice your your religion. A great point. And yes, I served to support and defend the Constitution. And that really meant something to me throughout my entire career. And I just took it right from there, you know, into coaching from the Marines and fighting for everybody's rights. And that's what I've always told my guys. You fight no matter what. If there's time on the clock, you just keep fighting. If you get knocked down, you get back up. And it doesn't matter how many times you, that happens. I mean, I would have been the biggest hypocrite in the world if I would have said, oh, yeah, I want to stop this fight because, you know, it's uncomfortable or it's, you know, not the most popular thing to do or, you know, this is causing me, you know, pain. No, I have to set that example and continue to fight and to continue to march on down the road because it's the right thing to do. So for seven years, uh, that's exactly what I did. And I just... I, I never thought I'd be defending the Constitution after I got out of the Marine Corps, but I also wanted to, you know, use the freedoms that I actually fought for. Jeremy, do they owe uh, Joe some back pay here? Uh, I mean, yeah, let's let's get him back out coaching, but don't they owe him some money as well? Well, in our complaint, all we asked for was that coach become a coach again at Bremerton High School. And when he was done uh, coaching those games, he'd be allowed to, to pray on the 50-yard line by himself. And so we actually have never asked for any money from this whole thing. Now, the reality is that uh, we're entitled now to our attorney's fees. And this has been almost seven years worth of litigation. We've been through uh, the district court twice, the Ninth Circuit twice, the, the full Ninth Circuit twice, and the Supreme Court once before this. And so I can guarantee you that that bill is going to be rather substantial. My hope is that that will at least uh, serve as a an opportunity for us to have discussions with the school district to find out whether or not Coach Kennedy is going to be uh, a coach again on that field or if the field is going to be named after him. <laughs> Joe, this is so recent for you. I can only imagine what it was like for you waking up today. but. Forever now, your legacy will be tied with this case, this verdict. Have you thought about what that means, that your name will now be forever tied with religious freedom? Yeah, that is the weirdest thing. I Something I never wanted to be known for, honestly. You know, I want to be known as a good coach, a good Marine, good husband, good father. And um, yeah, it seems like uh, this. I'm tied to this for the rest of my life. But as far as uh, the the implications of it going this big and affecting so many people across America, it's its really overwhelming uh, because everybody's fought with me on this. This was not something that I did alone. My family was with me, God was with me, 
um, my lawyers for sure, uh, and just about millions of supporters all across America and people like you that, you know, report these stories and, and actually get down to the bottom of everything. And I could never have done this without all of your guys' support. Hey, I, and I don't know where you guys have lived, but I've lived and grew up in Indiana, uh, lived in Michigan, lived in South Carolina, lived in Missouri and Kansas, lived in California, and now I live in Tennessee. And I can't imagine in any of those states, and I was a high school football player, I was a college football player, in the states that I've lived in, I couldn't imagine having this fight. And so I'm wondering, is this unique to the Pacific Northwest, to the state of Washington, that this fight even went on and went on for as long as it has? For, for someone like me, I, I see things that go on in Oregon and in the Pacific Northwest and how far left the Pacific Northwest seems to be. Is this fight unique to the culture that's in the Pacific Northwest? Well, I know that uh, it's become more and more, uh, I, I wouldn't even say it's liberal. It's become more crazy over there. You know, we call it the left coast now. And I don't understand why people would try to remove other people's freedoms. I mean, everybody in Seattle and, and the surrounding areas up in Washington and Oregon, they, they scream how liberal and progressive they are, yet they want to stamp out other people's rights. And I'm out here to fight for them. I, I want everybody to, uh, you know, use their rights. That's what the, the, you know, the amendments are for, is for every American. They can't remove them from one person and give them to the other. And as a side note, I graduated from uh, uh, Tennessee, so. Yeah, and the reality is, and the, yes, and, and even in the Pacific Northwest, though, there was really no objection to things going on up there, certainly among the students or and the, most of the parents up there. That was perfectly fine. Uh, it was only until the, the school district's attorneys really got a hold of this thing that we had to have actual litigation on our hands. But uh, more broadly, speaking more across the country, since we practice from side to, from, from sea to shining sea, so to speak, we see school districts using the establishment clause like this all the time, that uh, coaches especially are afraid of, uh, you know, kids that are spontaneously gathering on a knee after a game. Why? Because they saw the pros doing it after the game. And now the coaches are standing there and do they want, do they have to like, you know, run away with their fingers in their ears saying, I can't hear you unless they be fired for being too close to kids who are engaged in religious activity? Well, I think this decision that the Supreme Court has come down with now gives a lot of clarity to that very thing, that uh, coaches can actually engage their religious activity. Students can certainly engage their religious activity on school campuses. And no one really needs to worry about that, uh, you know, some sort of cathedral is going to spontaneously pop up out of the ground at the at the simple touch of a coach's knee to the 50-yard line for when he engages in an act of, of private worship. Uh, that's something that the Supreme Court says is should be completely unsurprising. Why? Because it's been part of our history since we were founded as a country to be able to welcome prayer into the public square. Joe, I was what did you think of Tim Tebow and the controversy that surrounded his NFL career because he took a knee in just a very quick private celebration of his faith and it made him a polarizing and to some degree a reviled figure uh, in the NFL. Did, what did you think of that and did you, was any of that part of your thinking, any fear of becoming a polarizing figure, was that any part of your thinking? 
No, it absolutely was not at the beginning. It was a private prayer between me and God. And I did it for eight years without anybody even batting an eye. It's interesting that the school didn't, they claimed that they didn't even know I was doing it. Well, you know, so I never thought that this would be, you know, something crazy, you know, just like uh, the, the people uh, like Kaepernick who took a knee in, you know, in social injustice. I mean, he's, he's doing what he needs to do for his amendments. You know, people might not agree with it, but the First Amendment protects us all. And just like that, uh, I just want to have the same kind of liberties that everybody else does. Joe, it's still really early. It was only a day ago that this court came down and incited in your favor. But has there been any great reactions? Who's been reaching out to you? What, what has everybody been saying to you? It's overwhelmingly incredible because they've been part of this. I, I mean, everybody's been part of this. I've talked to people all over the United States and actually outside of the United States. And the, the common theme is, hey, I'm glad somebody stood up for our rights. And even people that uh, are of no faith and other faiths, they understand that this is really a constitutional thing. This wasn't about really just a guy wanted to do a Christian thing. It was me fighting for what was right for all Americans. And yeah, I mean, even though this all happened yesterday, I've heard from so many of my uh, former athletes, uh, people from my teams uh, back home, a bunch of the coaches, some of the administrators, and uh, just tons and tons of friends. And I apologize, I haven't been able to get to my phone and go through it all because it just kind of blew up since yesterday. Joe, we'll end on this note, and I'm, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I would kind of like to know, could you give us an example of the kind of prayer you would do, what what would you say to God post game? It was really simple. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a big religious guy. I don't have all the fancy words of the Bible. Only thing I would say is I, Lord, I just want to lift up these guys that just fought for 48 minutes. They might've come out here as enemies, but we ended up as brothers because we love this game and we're all getting along or whatever. I mean, it was a very generic uh, thing. It just giving praise to the players. If somebody got hurt, you know, for healing and um, maybe even pointing out that, uh, you know, number uh, 34 over there, one heck of a running back. I mean, it, it was just different every time, but it was just in thanks of what they did on the field. Did you ever think about confessing any of your own mistakes during the game? Did you, did you ask, you maybe you made a bad call on second down. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, when Joe, we reviewed the, the films the next day. I, I, I would, hey, that was my bus calling that one play. Yeah, I, I would take the hit for those. Joe, Jeremy, uh, thank you so much. Congratulations. Uh, man, it's been nothing but good news from the Supreme Court, and there's another great story. All right, thank you. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock, hit that notification, hit the subscriptions. Uh, Carrie Lake, next. These words are our religion, our regrets, and our decisions. We all want to go to heaven with freedom. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Uh, Listen, we've done a lot of good interviews on this show. Uh, I'm thinking this one here may be a great one. Uh, I I'm, I'm, haven't been more excited for an interview than to uh, talk with Carrie Lake. She's running for governor in Arizona. I, I can't say I knew nothing about Carrie because I did, but I had forgotten. I, I, when the story first came out about her quitting doing local news in Arizona, I was aware of that story. And, and followed it. She got upset with journalism and all the phoniness in journalism. And I read the story and I was like, oh, I, this sounds like me, an experience that I had. I was longtime newspaper, all, you know, corporate media, the whole nine yards. And then I didn't, after that story, I'd never heard of Carrie Lake again until it came across my Twitter feed, uh, her engagement with a CNN reporter uh, let's play that clip just to refresh everybody's memory. This is what reintroduced me to Carrie Lake. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. Mm. Come off and see that. You don't have a mask on anymore. Uh, What's we're, going we're on? We're outside. Give a wow. minute to well, chat. we're six feet apart. <laughs> do you have a minute to chat? Um, I'll do an interview. Okay. As long as it airs on CNN Plus. Oh. Does that still exist? Yeah. I didn't think so because the people don't like what you guys are peddling, so, which is propaganda. Thank do you. you. Do you- I fell in love. This was like Kathy Barnett. I watched her commercial. She was running against Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, and I had the same feeling. It's like we're raising up mama bears that are out to protect us and to destroy the enemy. I, I, I loved it. When I saw that clip, I said, that is how it's done. The media hates Republicans. The media despises actual conservatives. So win or lose, Carrie, either way, I would love to see some consultation for some other Republicans to go out there (laughs) because this is the reality that we face. Yeah. Uh, Khaleesi, burn it all down. Come in on your dragons. Burn the whole thing down. Uh, That's what we need. And so, Carrie, I want to welcome you uh, to Fearless. And I want to ask you, is is this good or bad that I want to call you the apprentice and say, that's her nickname, the apprentice. Donald Trump has raised up another giant. Is that is that a compliment? What do you think of that? Oh, my gosh. I, I would say so, Jason. Thanks for having me on. This is the new Republican Party, and we're not going to lie down and take the beatings anymore. We will stand up and we will fight and we will punch back. And this is the legacy of President Trump. This is the legacy of President Trump. And so when you stepped away from your newscasting career, and I remember reading that story and that making national news. You were the highest paid TV personality in the entire state. Did you know then that you were going into politics? Was that your plan? 
never even crossed my mind to go into politics. You know, I covered Arizona for 27 years and many, many elections I covered. And I remember being on the news set, watching the attack ads, you know, every election cycle. And I would say to my co-anchor, who in their right mind normal people would ever run for office. It's so disgustingly dirty. But when I walked away from my career, Jason, the people of Arizona started reaching out to me by the droves saying, thank you for being a fair journalist. We're going to miss you, but we appreciate why you're leaving. We understand. And would you consider running for office? Because we need honest uh, politicians. We need honest candidates who we trust with integrity. And so only after a steady drumbeat of Arizona and saying, please run for office, please, did I even start to think, well, maybe I should do this. Maybe this is what God freed me up for. When I walked away from my career, I, I really did say to God, I'm putting my life in your hands. Do with me what you will. Um, and here we are. We we jump in as a citizen politician recruited by the people. We've been the front runner since day one. We have the endorsement of President Trump and the entire America First movement. And we're going to do great things for the people of Arizona, all people of Arizona. And, you know, I know we're over the target because they are attacking left and right. They don't have any true dirt on me, so they're making stuff up and just trying to create all kinds of BS phony stories. And it's sad because I'm up against a real rhino who I think would do damage to our state. She's trying to buy this election. She's married to a 95-year-old billionaire. She's just pouring a million bucks a week into attack ads. And I worry about this state if it were to fall into her hands or my socialist to Democrat opponent, Katie Hobbs' hands. That's why I'm running. We need America First policies to get us out of the mess we're in. I certainly think we need America first policies, but we also need fearless, very skilled people like yourself, who one of the reasons you're not afraid to mix it up, I think, is because you are such an accomplished, skilled broadcaster. You can hold your own where maybe others don't have your skill and comfort in front of a camera and just I mean, I'm just when I watched you deal with that CNN reporter, I was like, only another former anchor or broadcaster could do that as smoothly as you did it. Well, that wasn't the only time I've taken on the fake news. If you go to my Rumble page, Carrie Lake, you can see uh, many, many other uh, interviews I did. One of my favorites was with 60 Minutes Australia. They were really eager to cover what the Trump Republicans were up to, and they had the gall. And the uh, just I, I can't even believe it that they wanted to attack us on on what we are talking about, which is restoring freedoms here in America when they sit in Australia with no freedom. And I really took this guy on. He had a major case of Trump derangement syndrome. So if you liked what you saw with CNN, you will really like what I did with uh, 60 Minutes Australia. Listen, I, I and we're going I'm going to ask you about this, about election integrity because I'm right there with you. I watched 2000 Mules. I believe the election was stolen. I don't think we need to be ashamed uh, and afraid to say that. Uh, we need to deal in the reality that there was way too much craziness with that election. And I certainly uh, believe in border security. And those are your two highest priorities. But I, I, I want to stay on this media thing just a little bit. And because yesterday uh, you had an interview with Brett Baer of Fox News and it got a little spicy. 
and I'm wondering <laughs> if you have any regrets about it or, or just want to clarify anything, but I want to play for our audience what happened with you and Brett Baer yesterday and then get your reaction. Let me just ask you one thing. Uh, obviously, as a candidate, you come under scrutiny. The Washington Post has a story today. It says Arizona GOP candidate who criticized drag queens was once a fan, according to a drag queen. This is the quote. Arizona GOP gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, who has attacked drag queens as dangerous to children, attended the shows of drag queen Richard Stevens for more than 20 years and once hired him to perform at her home. Do you care to address that? I do care. I actually do care to address that, and I'm really shocked. I'm actually appalled that Fox News would take defamatory story like that. And we are pursuing legal action against this drag queen. I'm appalled that you would bring that up when you have not talked about our stolen election. You've failed we to talk about We just spent three that. questions, Ms. Lake, talking about this. I just you asked you a number of questions about it. I played the Arizona this House is Speaker. The first of let's adjust, this is let's the address first of this story that's in the Washington Post. Every candidate takes wow. tough stories. I'm asking you to I'm, respond I'm to it to if you'd like it. to. I'm happy to address it, but I, I'm really disappointed in Fox. I thought you were a little better than CNN. <laughs> <laughs> so... Carrie, I'm telling, I, obviously I appear on Fox News. I'm on Tucker Carlson's show rather frequently. Oh, tell Tucker I to really have me care. on. <laughs> Please. I, He's I, afraid I to have me I'll on. I'll ask him today. Really? Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll I ask him. So. Well, he's actually in Rio de Janeiro, or, but I will ask him. But again, I could care less about Fox News. I could care less about the establishment media. It all needs to be torn down. It, they're all in a little club. I'm not talking about Tucker, but I'm talking about Fox News in general. I was very disappointed election night. And so I, I could care, but, but I, I just wonder bringing that, because I feel we have a shared energy of like, let's take them on. And, and call them all out, I get it. That's what I like about you, that's what made me go, oh my God, I love Carrie Lake, we gotta support her. But I'm wondering if that energy maybe got the best of you a bit yesterday with Brett Baer, because I gotta be, I don't find his question unfair. I get why, like, there's far bigger things. When you have an election stolen, when you have all this illegal immigration, there's far bigger things. But in today's modern world, he probably felt like he had to ask this question because it's in the news. And your tweet actually kind of sparked this line of questioning. I think it was a June 17th tweet or whatever, where you kind of took yeah. on the drag queen issue. It, it, it perhaps opened up the question. And so I'm just wondering if, if in you know retrospect. What? An interesting little thing about that tweet that you have up, I think it's on the screen right now. Is that is that what I'm seeing over there? I think so, um, yes. It's interesting that um, one of my staffers wrote that, and he happens to be a gay conservative. And that's what triggered the, um, the female impersonator, the drag queen. I'm telling you that hardworking, um, common sense, gay men and women are even appalled by drag queens in schools. The issue is we don't want to put drag queens in schools and it's happening and it's happening in our libraries and taxpayer money is going to fund some of these. That's what the tweet was about. It triggered a man that I covered for 20 years and he was a talented guy, funny guy, former friend. 
but he has since become radicalized and he's actually working for my opponent. And so to take his story, which there were many defamatory statements in his story, he's never been to my home. I've never had him over to my home. That's defamatory. And he even told the Washington Post, which is a pretty big rag. It's a pretty liberal rag. He even told them he put this story out to injure our campaign. It's not going to injure our campaign. What people do as adults, if you want to go see a, a drag show, if you want to go see whatever, you want to go to a bar, that's fine. This whole issue is about we don't want this in our kids' schools. We want to make sure that our kids are learning a curriculum that actually helps them. And so I'm not going to sit here and rip on this person. That's fine. And, and I was okay with Brett asking it, but I found it really shocking that he hasn't for a year and a half wanted to talk about our stolen election. He thinks because he asked me a couple questions about it that it's over. He needs to start covering our stolen election. It is the biggest story facing this country right now. It is the reason we have inflation. We can't afford anything. We can't afford our food. We can't afford our gas. It's the reason we have a wide open border. And I thought they were journalists over there, but I guess I was wrong because they want to take a story that's meant to be a diversion. It's a nothing burger, and they want to turn it into a big story because they don't want to talk about the issues affecting this country. The fact that we have an illegitimate president in the White House who is trying to destroy this country. I'm not going to let that man in the White House take down Arizona, and that's why I'm running. Terry, I, I, I'm telling you, I share the same energy and attitude and mindset as you. I, the, the, I interviewed Donald Trump at the White House during his presidency. And, and one of the things I tried to convey to him was that, because I feel like I have the same energy, I'm, I'm for lack of a better word, I'm an asshole. Uh, and I think I've been forced <laughs> Wait a minute. to be one. Are you saying I have that energy? I think I'm pretty nice. <laughs> well, I, I think any of us that care about this country at this point have to ha have to tap into that asshole energy if we're going to fix it. But but yep. there's certain times when we have to cuz the the tool I use because again, the reason I compare my energy to Trump is like I got a lot of sin in my background and people have seen me pivot. I grew up in the church as a child. I lived a very uh, secular life for a long time made a lot of money, was popular in the sports media world, and I partied at Hugh Hefner's house, I, I loved wow. Las Vegas, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, basically officed in Kansas City at a strip club. I, I take it all off the table for my critics because I, I have leaned far more into my faith over the last seven years and started wearing my faith publicly. But, but people will send me, they'll troll me with pictures of me at clubs with women and all, is that you? And I'm like, yeah, that was me. And, and that's why I can tell you that me is gone and I'm moving away from it because if we don't move away from that, this country's gonna continue to go to hell in a handbasket. And right now I'm about, we have to get back to some sane moral values that allow our kids to develop the way I was allowed to develop. We're taking all Amen. that away. We didn't have drag queens in schools when I was a kid. Parents would have thought that was outrageous. What are you bringing perverts into our schools for to groom our kids? We would have thought that was crazy, but we've gone so far. It is far. crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. 
it is it's, crazy. It's and and let me tell ahead. you, fifteen, ten, fifteen years ago, drag performers were female impersonators singing Madonna songs or Cher songs. Now I'm seeing video coming out. Of, I think it was out of Dallas where they're like twerking in children's faces for dollars. It's it's appalling. It really is. And I'm not a prude. I have lived a fun life. I 30 years in the media. I have had more fun than probably the average person. And I'll let you in on a little secret, Jason. Those pictures, I'm not ashamed of them at all. I have zero shame for those pictures. The one of me dressed as Elvis was from a, a, a Halloween party that was Las Vegas themed. So I those pictures, by the way, were taken off of my Instagram and Facebook. I'm so not ashamed of who I am and where I came from that I never take anything down. When I got into politics, most people would sanitize their life and try to act like they're this when they're that. I've never taken it down. I had that up. I knew that was there. I am who I am. And the people will either vote for me because they like our policies and they know that I love this state. I have a relationship with the people, but I don't run away from anything. My problem with what this performer said is that it was a lie, and I don't care for lies. I really don't. He said he performed in my home. He never came to my home. I don't even think he knows where I live unless he's been following me, which I wouldn't put, put it past him, to be honest. It's about making sure our kids have a sane future. Any sane, hardworking person, gay or straight, black or white, Latino, Asian, I don't care. We're Americans. Any sane, hardworking American wants to have our kids safe. That's not a proper education. We shouldn't have drag shows in school. We shouldn't have drag shows in the library. And we sure as hell shouldn't have a penny of taxpayer money funding one of those. Carrie, while we're on the topic of children and schools, obviously that is going to be one of the front lines in turning this country around is so many young people going through there uh, every single day. What do you want to see happen in the school system? Well, we're doing great things here in Arizona. We just passed a piece of legislation that opens up school freedom is what I call it. Wherever you live in Arizona, if you don't like the school, the government run school, you can take the money that is set aside for your child, the state money, and you can take your child to a private school. You can take them to a charter school of your choice. That just passed. I'm thrilled about it. We want to take that even further and get more money per pupil. We want to make sure that no matter where you live, what your zip code, what your background, if you want your kids to get an education at a different school than the one, the public school in your neighborhood, you can do that. Or you can stay in the public school. We want to make our public schools better as well. And I think some good, healthy competition where you have a choice of where you send your child will make sure that all of the curriculum rises up and making sure that we're actually teaching our kids uh, the skills they need to get ahead. I also have in my education plan a dual track education. So after the 10th grade, our students can choose if they want to take that four-year college path or if they want to get skills training, vocational training, trade school training, um, and, and go out and work and get a job right out of high school, a high-paying job. They're doing this down in the Vail School District near Tucson, and they have a welding program down there. The kids are being offered jobs paying seventy to 100000 the day they graduate from high school. That is a healthy salary that they can raise a family on and live on. And these are not skills that require them to go to college and go into deep debt and never be able to realize the American dream. 
Carrie, uh, the one part of Brett Bear's interview that I did think was crazy is he suggested that Arizona voters and Americans just want to put 2020 in the rearview mirror and don't want the election evaluated. And I just think that's preposterous. I, there, there's, I want to know what happened in 2020. I want full investigation. Investigating January 6th, a two or three hour event that everybody went back to work in that building shortly after it was done. But we can't have any sort of investigation about whether this election was stolen. I thought that was crazy for Brett to suggest that. And I'm wondering if you do win the governor's office, how are you going to further? Because I know there was seem to be a lot of shenanigans, particularly based on 2000 mules. Uh, in Arizona, what, what can you do to make sure that we find out what happened in November of 2020? Yeah, it was really rich that the guy who actually called the election in Arizona for Joe Biden, while people were actually still standing in line to vote, Brett had that to say. I thought that was pretty shocking. But it's okay because we've already done investigations. We already have a mountain of evidence. He's just unwilling to look at it for whatever reason. I don't know. And the question is now, are we going to see justice? I want to see perp walks. Anybody who stole our election should be punished for that. We cannot allow this stolen election to go unpunished. And that's why they are spending millions in attack ads on me, money coming from all over the country attacking me because they're so worried that this conspiracy to take down our election system and to control it um, will will crumble under a governor like me. And I have word a word for them. It will crumble. We will no longer accept stolen, corrupt elections. We're going to end up with an election day. We're going to have a paper ballot. We're going to have photo ID. They are disenfranchising voters down here. And the left always likes to say, oh, the Republicans are disenfranchising minority voters. No, in fact, it is the left and the swamp that is doing that. In San Luis, Arizona, for 22 years, the people of that town, 85% Hispanic, have thought that it was normal to hand over their ballot to somebody else to fill out for them. That's how it's been going for 22 years. We have evidence of that. We have video evidence. We have heaps of evidence on that. And people have already pled guilty. We're going to have more guilty pleas, I think, coming out of San Luis and other parts of Arizona, because when I'm governor, we're going to dig through this and we are going to seek justice for it. And it will never happen again because we want fair, honest elections so that our kids have a country. How have your former colleagues in the media reacted to your political career and, and things like that? Because, I would, again, I don't live in Arizona, but they got establishment media just like everybody else. Have, oh, have you lost here. friends in the media? I probably have. Yeah, I think I probably have. It's kind of sad. I, I've always treated everyone well. And I think even the people who are liberal that I worked with, I always tried to treat well with respect. I'm sure they don't like that I am the front runner and I'm maybe their governor someday. Um, but I've had many people who I did work with who've reached out and they are very supportive of me. Obviously, being in the media, they can't publicly support me or support a candidate. Um, it, it saddens me that more people in the media aren't stepping forward and calling out the propaganda for what it is. But I'll be honest, I'm not I'm, I'm not even on a different chapter of my life. I'm on a different book. 
we're at a point where we can't look backwards. We have to look forward and we have to save this state. And so I don't have time to, you know, contact everybody I worked with in media and see how they feel about me running. I'm actually talking to voters every day. I want to make sure that we're addressing the big concerns for Arizonans and we're going to do something about it and not just give people lip service, but actually do something like securing our border, making sure our schools are teaching a common sense curriculum, making sure our elections are honest, dealing with our water issues out here in Arizona, and making sure that our streets are safe again. We're actually going to tackle the homeless situation. I don't think any governor, I know no governor candidate in Arizona except myself has a plan to tackle homelessness and restore quality quality of life. And I'm not sure there's any other candidate in the country that has a plan. We're going to help people who are homeless lift them up from the despair and we're going to turn them into citizens where they're contributing citizens. God did not have a plan for us to live on the street and use drugs. He wants us to be the person he created us to be. And we're going to help those people. And those who refuse help and those who just want to use and live on the streets, they're going to find Arizona is not a very fun place to live if that's what their only goal is. But we will get people help. We will restore quality of life. And we're going to do big things. So I think even my former colleagues who are liberal, and there were a lot of them, I think they are going to like the policies that we put forth because they will help all Arizonans. Carrie, you stood on the side of the Second Amendment last week. You said as governor that you would not enforce uh, a court's attempt to violate the Second Amendment. Does that go along beyond just the Second Amendment for other constitutional freedoms as well? We're going to restore the Bill of Rights. I mean, can you believe it? How might raise your hand out there if you feel that your First Amendment is fully intact? If you are conservative, I'm pretty sure you don't think you have free speech rights as well as you used to way back when. And so we're going to restore all of those Bill of Rights here in Arizona. We are a Second Amendment sanctuary state. We will not enforce a law that goes against our Second Amendment rights to bear arms. And we're not going to push unconstitutional laws. Federal mandates will not hold up if they're not constitutional. And so we're not going to push them. And I won't push them as a governor. Uh, Terry, uh, I didn't, I don't think Brett <laughs> asked you about this, but it's been in the news. I felt compelled to ask you the Roe v. Wade decision. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not from Arizona. I don't know what the laws there are, but your reaction to the overturn of Roe v. Wade and, and where will you push that state as it relates to the abortion issue? He did ask me about that. That's how we started the interview. Um, and we have great laws on, on the books right now that are going to take, that are going to actually fill the void now that we, uh, that Roe v. Wade has been struck down. I am for saving lives. I am for saving and protecting the most vulnerable. I find it um, just absolutely heart-wrenching that a afraid, confused, scared mother walking into a Planned Parenthood and they give her only the absolute worst option. They don't tell her, hey, let's get you help being the mother that God wants you to be. They don't say, let's get you help. If you don't feel you can raise this baby, let's find someone who will love that baby. They give her the worst option which is to take the life of her own baby in her womb. And oftentimes that hurts the mother physically. I have a dear friend who at 17 got an abortion and then found out when she was in her 30s that uh, they actually cut her cervix and she was unable to ever carry a baby. 
The scars of that are outrageous. I'm tired of acting like this is normal. It's not normal. It's not normal to take the life of a baby inside the mother's womb. And I'm thrilled that we have a law in the books that will protect it. Arizona will not be known as an abortion state. It will be known as a state that protects those who are carrying uh, a baby. And we're going to make sure that they get the help they need so that they can be the mother that they want to be. And if they can't be that mother, we'll help them find someone to love that baby. But we're not going to sit by as hundreds of thousands of Arizonans unborn are killed in abortion clinics. We won't sit by and watch that happen. It feels like this story in particular talks a lot about society and where we've come from. Bill Clinton would say safe, legal and rare. Joe Biden back in 2006 said this should still be a last resort. Fast forward to present day, it's shout your abortion, celebrate it. How do we get here as a society? I mean, just brainwashing of an entire generation into thinking it was the right to take a life. It's just incredibly sad. I, I saw something on TikTok of a girl who was, I think, 16, and she did like a song as she was going into an abortion clinic celebrating it. It is demonic and incredibly sad. Um, we need to talk to our young people and let them know this isn't health care. This is not health care. It actually will hurt your health if you get an abortion. So I want to work with um, our legislators. We have a great law on the books. And, you know, if the mother's life is in danger, there will be options to help that mother. Obviously, we don't want to see the loss uh, of a mother's life. But Arizona will be a state where abortion is uh, is no longer acceptable. Carrie, the other thing that uh, I think you're dead on Look, the border and border security is, is an issue that I think many Americans are highly concerned about, regardless of where you live. But then I look in Texas and see the Myra Flores and, and say, here's something that reflects what the people actually want and are feeling in the corporate media and establishment uh, politicians just seem completely so disconnected from what the average American wants, I would think your policies about protecting the border, and I think I heard you say you're going to pay for, the state of Arizona's gonna to pay to build the wall, that's gotta be resonating with the people in Arizona. It's resonating with the people of Arizona and other states because, you know, when people come across our wide open border, they don't always stay here. Joe Biden is actually shipping them around the country right now. If you go to the airport, you see people being moved through the airports to other states. And we are seeing a, a level of drugs coming through this state that is um, unbelievable. We've never seen anything like it. We confiscated last year five and a half tons of fentanyl. That's poison. It's getting into our communities and killing our young people. I talked to a mother and father whose daughter took a half of what she thought was a Xanax pill and died of a fentanyl overdose. We can't have this. The people of Arizona want a secure border and we are going to do it and we will pay for that wall and we will eventually, I believe, be reimbursed by the federal government because I don't think Joe Biden's gonna be in, in office for long. I think President Trump will be coming back and I know that he will reimburse us for that. We're gonna take back all of that material sitting down there that we, the taxpayer, paid for to build the wall and we're gonna take it back from the federal government and we're going to use that to build the wall. And if Joe Biden has a problem with it, he's gonna to have to come down to Arizona and arrest me 
because I will not stand here and allow the people of Arizona to be taken advantage of. We're sick of our kids being poisoned. We're sick of people coming in illegally and taking our jobs. And we're sick of watching as children and women are being trafficked into this world of sex and the sex trade. And we're not going to sit here as Arizonans and take it. We will roll back up that welcome mat to the world right now. If you want to come in legally, you come in legally, but you cannot come here illegally and we will not reward you with allowing you to stay here. All right, Carrie, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to wrap up by just promising you I'm going to reach out uh, to Tucker Carlson and I'm going to put a little pressure <laughs> on him, whatever pressure I can put on him to get you on his show. I, 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 I wonder, have, have I made any peace here today between you and Brett Baer? Uh, are, uh, are you, you know, you were kind of rough on, on him. I would love to go back on Brett's show, but I will not lay down and take a beating from somebody that won't even talk about the election. And, and granted, he did ask me a couple questions. It's the first time he's talked about it in a year and a half since he called that election. So I'll go on and talk to Brett. I would love to go back on his show. It's interesting though, he had my rhino opponent on a, a week or week and a half earlier and he softballed that interview in such a way, it was like a t-ball game. It was truly like a game of t-ball. I can handle any question anyone throws at me and I'd love to go back on Brett's show. If he wants to do round two, I'm up for it. I gotta show you something that look what well, just got delivered to me. Uh, one of my staff members came in. We, my, our new poster just got delivered. And this I is saw the, that on the internet. I, I the saw that earlier today. This is the Arizona flag, and we are going to protect Arizona. They're so afraid of us, Jason, because they know I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. I'm not owned by the political elite. I'm not owned by the swamp. My only special interest is the people of Arizona. And we're going to do great things for Arizona. I'm so excited. I'm willing to take the hits and the punches. I don't care because we are going to do amazing things in this state. I, I, I saw that on Twitter and it made me think of Wonder Woman, uh, which is, you know, I was either going to call you the, the apprentice or Wonder Woman. She's here to save the world, here to save Arizona. Uh, look, we have your back over here at Fearless. I, I, I'm sure, I mean, part of the reason I, I wanted to reach out again is just you're so fearless and that energy is so necessary and needed. And I just wanted you to hear from me and uh, the people that helped me do this show that they're definitely going to come for you. And they're, they're going to call you every name in the book and, and, oh, you're a racist, you're this and that. And I'm sure you hear it from the people in Arizona that know you far better than I do. But the policies, the things that you're promoting are for all of us. All of us that are American citizens, black, white, whatever, they're for all of us. Border security, election integrity, uh, the right to life, when I try to explain to people like, do you know how many black kids are being aborted at these Planned Parenthood uh, communities and you think the people trying to stop it are the racist? What about the people that are promoting it? Yes. That, that's and, the racist. If you look at where they have the Planned Parenthoods, just put a pin on the map. So often they are in black communities. Millions of, of black babies have been killed through abortion. And, and frankly, the policies, our political policies over the last generation have destroyed and helped, helped destroy uh, and hurt the black family. 
and I think more than any other family unit, taking away our good jobs in the cities, closing down manufacturing, taking away amazing jobs that men were able to work and support a family. We want to bring those kind of jobs back. They're out there. They pay great. We just want to get our kids ready for it in high school so that they don't go out and and flounder when they should be soaring and taking jobs and having families and able to raise them. The policies of the past have hurt our families. It doesn't matter uh, what color you are, but they've really, really hurt the black family. And we need to help build that family unit back up. Thank you so much. Good luck. We'll be praying for you. Jason, uh, thank you so I, much. I appreciate those prayers. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, thank you. Jill, I, that, that lived up to my expectations. I was. She is fearless. She follows, she fits the show brand. Um, because what I love about her is, you know, she says, we're from the new right. We're going to fight back. We're not going to sit down and take it, which is what I feel like so many people see from their elected representatives for so long that, man, if, I, if somebody would just go out there and say the things that we all think and we all say amongst ourselves, and Carrie is one of those that actually is going out and doing it now. It, it, it gives me an opportunity to just by having, like the whole border security thing and the illegal immigration that the left seems to be so in love with. And, and they talk, oh, the replacement theory, the replacement theory. And, and black people and black voters don't, we're being replaced. Every, all this illegal immigration that's going on is diminishing the power of the African-American vote. It, it's, we're being replaced. Again, the, anyway, I'm so glad uh, Carrie made the time. Uh, I, I, again, I love her energy. Love her willingness to fight and scrap. She's willing to go back on and talk with Brett Baer. Uh, I'm gonna reach out to Tucker when he gets back from Brazil. Say, hey man, how come you ain't had? She wants to come on. We'll see what he says. Get her on there. And we need more, like that very first interview that you played with her and the CNN anchor. We need more like that. Just go out there and tell the media how it is. More fearlessness amongst political candidates. I'm all for it. All right, that we, we had Michelle Tafoya on, and she was awesome and fearless. Now we've had Carrie Lake on. She was awesome and fearless. Jill Who's Savage, next? Shamika Michelle. We gotta, we're raising up all these fear. I'm trying to raise up fearless men, and we're getting outdone by the fearless women. Here we go. <laughs> all right, that's Tamara. She's fearless as well. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Blessed, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want. I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I 